0: Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. Welcome. (laughs) Have you ever wondered if something like Facebook could play a role in the end times? And, my friends, I am serious. Like when the whole world witnesses what we're going to read about today in the book of revelation, welcome back to today's slice of our journey, uh, reading through the Bible in a year plus or minus a little bit, uh, which is primarily first and foremost about reading every word of God's self revelation and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. Now, my friends, When God pours out preliminary judgments on the world, as we're going to hear today, the church's role is to maintain faithful witness in the face of persecution until God vindicates his people. Now, just a quickie reminder, just in case this is the very first time you've ever tuned in. We're doing something a little different here as we wrap up this particular time through the New Testament. And uh, we're interspersing Robert Gundry's chapter on Revelation in his fifth edition of Survey of the New Testament. And the way that book is constructed is you read some of the book and then you read some of the Bible and then back and forth and back and forth. And that's what we're doing here. Uh, Wrapping up Revelation and the end of the book of Proverbs and then here in a few days we'll start Mark and Ruth in kind of a cycle that begins together. But today we pick up in Revelation at chapter 8, verse 6, and you might recall that we just read about the seven seals, the majority of which have to do with war and its effects, and uh, heard about the um, 144,000 witnesses. And uh, there was an interesting point that country made that just as earlier we heard John hear Jesus announced as a lion, but saw him as a lamb. Uh, interpreters or some interpreters look at John is now hearing the church announced as the tribes of Israel, but sees them as an international multitude of redeemed people. Now that's a position, not the position. And now I'm going to pick up with the trumpets. That's where we pick up today. The majority of trumpets says Gundry have to do with Ecological disasters. Now, I'm not going to summarize all of those um, to begin with. But here's the next little, here's our little intro from him. He says, much of the language in these descriptions is meant to be taken symbolically. Nevertheless, symbolic language may point to literal reality. So an interpreter must avoid over-spiritualization. The star that falls from heaven to earth under the fifth trumpet, for instance, refers to Satan who lets loose a horde of demons. Okay? Revelation chapter 8, picking up in verse 6. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. So a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from heaven, It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water, and the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. Pause. Uh, The name of the star, capital W, Wormwood, like an object named. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, lowercase w, which was something that made water bitter. Okay, continuing. Continuing. So many of the people died from the waters, because they had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Now I looked and heard an eagle flying overhead, crying out in a loud voice, saying, Whoa, Woe, woe to those who live on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blasts that the three angels are about to sound. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft to the abyss... And smoke came up out of the shaft, like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came up out of the smoke onto the earth, and the power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. And they were told not to harm the green grass of the earth, or any green plant, or any tree, but only those people. Who have, who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and not be able to find it. They will long to die but death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns was on their heads. Their faces were like human faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions, so that their tails... With their tails, they had the power to harm people for five months. They had, as their king, the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. The first woe has passed. There are still two more woes to come after this. Pause. You know what? Besides the fact that we just had heard Gundry say, you know, even though there's imagery, he's talking about Satan here kind of opening the shaft to, I don't know, hell for all the abyss, whatever the abyss is, right? And these things come up and think about John in late first century, right? Maybe 80 or 90 years after uh, AD, right? Think about this. How would John describe something like a drone with a laser or a gun on it? <laughs> right? I don't know, but I have often wondered if, you know, what what does it mean to have these locusts that have tails like stingers and breastplates of iron? And I don't know. Continuing. The sixth angel blew his trumpet. From the four horns of the golden altar that is before God, I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who were prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of the human race. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. This is how I saw the horses and their riders in the vision. They had breastplates that were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and from their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of the human race was killed by these three plagues, by the fire, by the smoke, and the sulfur that came out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths, and in their tails, because their tails, which resemble snakes, have heads that inflict injury. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk. And they did not repent of their murders their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like pillars of fire. And he held a little scroll, opened in his hand, and he put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion, When he cried out, the seven thunders raised their voices. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders said. Do not write it down. Then the angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. He swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, saying, There will no longer be a delay. But in the days when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet, then the mystery of God will be completed, as he announced to his servants the prophets. And then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and of the land. So I went to the angel and, asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I ate it, my stomach became bitter. And they said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Then I was given a measuring reed, like a rod, with these words. Go and measure the temple of God and the altar, and count those who worship there. But exclude the courtyard outside the temple. Don't measure it, because it is given to the nations. And they will trample the holy city for 42 months. I grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for 1260 days dressed in sackcloth. And these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes out from their mouths and consumes their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. They have the authority to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. They also have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague whenever they want. When they finish their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war on them, conquer them, and kill them. Their dead bodies will lie in the main street of the great city, which figuratively is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. And some of the peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will view their bodies for three and a half days. And pause. I'm just going to read that again. <laughs> this is the part that I just imagined like somebody live streaming on Facebook with their phone. And some of the peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will view their bodies for three and a half days and not permit their bodies to be put into a tomb. Those who live on the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and send gifts to one another because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God Entered them, and they stood on their feet. Great fear fell on those who saw them, and and then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, while their enemies watched them. At that moment, a violent earthquake took place. A tenth of the city fell, and seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake. The survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Take note, the third woe is coming soon. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The twenty-four elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God, the Almighty, who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, and to those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. And then the temple of God in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hail. And, my friends, that gets us all the way up through chapter 11. Now, I want you to think about this. Uh, This is Gundry. In chapter 10, what we just went past, John hears seven thunders, apparently another series of plagues. But when he's about to write them down, the command comes to seal them up rather than to write them down. And since unsealing has caused an earlier series of plagues to take place, sealing up the thunders must mean that they will not take place. In other words, these plagues have been canceled and then he puts in parentheses, compare the shortening of the days of tribulation in Mark chapter 13, verse 20, and that paragraph. Now, next section, two witnesses. The two witnesses in the first part of chapter 11 that we just read about probably ministered during the latter three and, a half, uh, three and one half years, uh, which is 1,260 days or 42 lunar months of 30 days each. Uh, so in this last part of the tribulation, because... During the time of their preaching, the Gentiles will, quote-unquote, trample on the holy city. Compare this to Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to come back to that. Futurists, which is one of the ways of interpreting uh, the book of Revelation, often identify the two witnesses with Moses and Elijah who will reappear and represent the law and the prophets. And Elijah's return for ministry to Israel was predicted in Malachi 4, 5 and confirmed by Jesus in Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9. And Moses and Elijah appeared together on the Mount of Transfiguration during Jesus' first advent. And the miracles of the two witnesses in Revelation 11 that we just read correspond to the Old Testament miracles of Moses And Elijah, Moses turned water to blood and smiting the earth with plagues. Easy for me to say. And Elijah, who was striking enemies with lightning uh, or fire, 2 Kings 1. So sometimes the two witnesses are identified as Enoch and Elijah, the only two biblical characters to avoid physical death, meaning they were just taken up into heaven. And therefore, uh, they're available to be sent, back during the tribulation to preach until they are martyred. But believers still alive at the second coming will avoid physical death, so we need not suppose that both Enoch and Elijah must die to maintain exceptionless rule of physical death as part of the curse on sin. That was a mouthful. Interpreted still differently by a large number of commentators, the two witnesses stand for the collective Moses and Elijah like the Mo- Moses like testimony and Elijah like testimony of all God's people on earth during the tribulation. Under this interpretation, the number two symbolizes the sufficiency of their testimony for quote unquote a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses, Deuteronomy chapter 19. So, my friends, that's as far as we're going to make it today, but uh, I hope that you see. Um, (laughs) well, one, if the Bible says that a whole big chunk of the world sees this, uh, you can imagine two witnesses laying in the street dead here and people rejoicing, right? But people these days live stream crimes like beatings or worse. So I don't think it's a stretch to imagine a level of demonic glee by showing their work as we watch in horror important point while we wait for God's justice, we as God's people faithfully witness or should faithfully witness to the reality of God's kingdom, no matter what the consequences are that we face. so with that, we pick up a a little bit of a wisdom segment proverbs twenty seven Starting at the very beginning of 27, faithfulness and love, in a sense. Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth. Let a stranger do so, and not your own lips. A stone is heavy, and sand is a burden but aggravation from a fool outweighs them both. Fury is cruel and anger a flood, but who can withstand jealousy? Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. And that gets us up through verse six, and uh, I gotta say, um, (laughs) that the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. None of us like that, my friends, but I mean, how would we rather grow from a friend or (laughs) from somebody beating the cred out of us for uh, because they hate us? Lord God, I just pray that you will give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give us spiritual eyes or to recognize your presence in our lives and in our each and every conversation that we have today. And importantly, Lord, that, uh, that we would know and fall in love with you more deeply as we hide your word in our hearts, whether we fully understand it or not. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.